In fairness, I would think both of us have this curse, which can be a blessing that we, what we are doing is not an external thing. What we are doing is a personal journey and we are in this quest since we were babies, the two of us separately, on this quest to understand what does it mean? What? The big question of life. So science and duality was the output of our personal research and our quest. It, we really hit the places of trauma in ourselves personal. on the spiritual journey. We, we were for a good two, three years really seriously entangled with our trauma and struggling. So that was our journey, and we were asking questions, searching for help, and learning. Welcome back to the Sounds of Sand podcast. This is Michael Riley. Today on the podcast, I welcome two very special guests. I speak with science and non-duality co-founders, Zaya and Maurizio Benazzo. Zaya and Maurizio are both filmmakers and activists, and they merged their lifelong passions for science and mysticism when they met in 2007 and their first project together was filming the documentary Rays of the Absolute on the life and teachings of Sri Nisargata Maharaj. This project sparked their next level of creation and collaboration, Science and Non-Duality, a global community inspired by timeless wisdom traditions, informed by modern science and grounded in direct experience. In 2021, they released the acclaimed documentary The Wisdom of Trauma featuring Dr. Gabor Mate. And for the past year, they've been traveling the globe working on their next documentary about indigenous cultures, resilience, and an expansion of what is meant by science and non-duality. All today on the Sounds of Sand podcast. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective conscious. Being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. Zaya and Maurizio Benazzo, welcome to the Sounds of Sand podcast. This is a, a turning the mic around moment because, you know, some of the episodes you two host when they're community conversations, but um, I thought it'd be great to take this opportunity to connect with you as you're very busy with the next film and just kind of, yeah, touch into this next film, this, this sequel almost to The Wisdom of Trauma and yeah, just allow us to connect with the community and the podcast audience. So thanks for being here. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. And yeah. I, I love that we are a team and we still have to update each other what's happening because this movie, I feel, has been working through us so intensely that uh, even our team so, sometimes doesn't know where we are and what we are up to. So I really appreciate you inviting us to have this moment to kind yeah. of pause and uh, reflect and communicate what we have been up to yeah. with the film. Yeah, and, and on a personal note, we are so happy that you are in our team and you are taking over this uh, podcast project. We, are, we feel you are holding the space so well and we are honored and delighted that uh, you found us. Thank so. you. 
I'll edit that part out. So. (laughs) 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 So, yeah. So the wisdom of trauma, you know, this is a, you know, worldwide phenomenon, I would say, like most people I meet in my circles have seen this film and, you know, it's been seen by millions and millions of people. So what was the genesis for this next film coming out of the wisdom of trauma? So we have been doing Sen for about 10 years and Sen initially was really about bringing scientists and spiritual teachers from different uh, traditions um, mystical traditions, not religious traditions, for a conversation, for for a gathering where we exchange ideas and practices and have deep conversations about the nature of reality, who we are, what we are doing here. So we did that for 10 years, but the trajectory tend to be a little bit more the one of transcendence. Like, okay, this human form is kind of a bit messy, uncomfortable. How can we transcend that quickly and and go into the bliss, into the oneness, into um, the space we all long for? And, And that was beautiful and it played a role. And at the same time, there was something missing. We were starting to feel like we're missing something here. The, the, the energy was starting to get a little bit stale, I would say. Mm-hmm. We were not growing. We were, the conversations had something that was always the same, predictable. And then uh, one year we invited Dr. Gabor Mate to join SEND. He, he gave, a, gave a talk on trauma and like, it felt so strong in the Zen field. Everybody kind of got a little bit like, oof, what is this? Like you could feel it in, in people in the audience that something woke up. And so that was the beginning of us starting to bring more embodiment into our conversations and, and trauma. Slowly, we started bringing a little bit more psychology, trauma um, and more the embodied traditions, the, the devotional traditions, the um, tantric, the different tantric traditions. So um, with Gabor coming to Sen, we felt like, okay, there's something here. Why don't we um, follow Gabor for a little bit, film and see if there's something there for us to share with a lar- larger audience. Yeah, because one thing to add is the fact that when Zai and I met, we were both filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And we met as filmmakers and we decided to make a conference on spirituality and non-duality. So, but the, the filmmaking bug has always been crawling inside our veins, in our blood. And for some reason, we were ready to make, we made some short movie like The Art of Life, which is yes. on YouTube. You can find it for free. And, uh, and it, something was crawling and we said, we, we want to make a movie. We want to go back and make a movie. And uh, somehow we said, oh, why not Gabor? And it was, it was a thought, but yeah. not necessary uh, a full formula. You know, yeah. it was sort of, oh, that's an idea. Let's try. Let's try. Yeah. And from there, uh, things, yeah. And from there, yeah, we, we filmed and then COVID hit. So we were a little bit stuck. We felt like, okay, we're halfway through the film and then it's COVID time, which mm. meant we cannot travel and shoot. So we had to get a little more creative. Um, yeah. And 
we completed the film, we edited, Gabor saw it, and he said, this is horrible, we, I don't like it. <laughs> so we were Trauma like, porn. Like, no, no, I don't agree with this. So we were like, okay, and we knew it, we knew it, we were not happy either with the film. So we spent another, basically, year re-editing from scratch the film. From scratch, yeah. And then the film emerged in a way that, that, felt strong and felt like okay this is really changing here something and in fairness yeah. Gabor didn't even like the new version that's <laughs> he he horrible again oh my god <laughs> but, but everybody else loved it and all of the people he respected they were calling him and saying this is an amazing movie I said what really it's amazing <laughs> and it was funny to see how he how he changed slowly, slowly changed and, yeah and he was so happy afterwards and when we made the movie we thought you know this is a pretty kind of maybe niche conversation maybe 20,000 therapists in the US would like it and that's yeah. it and then when we released the movie it, it within a week we had uh, 4, 4 million, million views from mm. everywhere the the movie was how do you call it um, hacked all right and, I took it out from YouTube as of today, 700 times. Wow. And still now there are probably, I haven't done it in two weeks, so there are probably at least 10, 15 copies of the movie on YouTube mm. has been hacked all over the world rapidly. Right. We have to deal with piracy everywhere, which is very rare for documentary, because documentary yeah. usually nobody wants to see that, right, you know, right. hacked documentary. Or bootlegged, right? Is that the term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it, yeah, it clearly hits something in our collective psyche that yeah. was very uh it was ready to be met you were kind yeah. of like yeah. in the eye of the storm of a zeitgeist of this, yeah. this yeah. awakening of of what trauma means you know re redefining it and expanding it exactly. yeah it tends to be our position we, are, we have been yeah. blessed since well when we met because non-duality when we started science and non-duality most people say science and what Mm -hmm. Duality? Do, do, oh, science oh, and do, science and do, uh, what? Do do what? So, and, and then a few years later, you go literally at the, at the grocery store, the cashier talks about non duality, literally, right? It's by where we live, for example, you know, everywhere non duality is a word now. It's a, it's a Which is word. beautiful. It has a upside and also it has a, a downside, downside mm -hmm. from polarizing non-duality in the West. Which is the same is happening with the word trauma at this point, in a way, yeah. right? Because the word trauma now is everybody yeah. use the word trauma. Oh, yeah. I've been, uh, Gabor says, oh, somebody tell you, I've been traumatized. I saw a movie last night. I got traumatized. No, you did not yeah. traumatize. You didn't like it. And, uh, and it, you know, eh. Yeah. Which brings us to the why the next film somehow, right? There is a, there is a different uh, level in which we can... Uh, see what trauma means but continue the story first well I, you said something interesting Maurizio which I was going to ask about that you know from my sense of the trajectory of sand is that you two seem comfortable in this kind of at the edge of this nexus space between what's in the zeitgeist but what's next like you don't seem like you want to rest and just oh we're known for non-duality let's just do it for the next 30 years and you know do the same conference over and over again and and the same with the wisdom of trauma. Like you could have easily just sat in that space probably for the rest of your careers and just say, we'll just focus on individual trauma. But I get that sense that you're both like to be, you know, 
go to the next thing and find out what's at the what's the next next thing that's coming up and is that is that accurate would you say yeah in fairness i would think both of us have this curse which can be a blessing that we what we are doing is not an external thing mm-hmm. what we are doing is a personal journey and we are in this quest since we were babies the two of us separately on this quest to understand what does it mean? What? The big question of life. So science and duality was an ex- not an excuse. It was a, a, the output of our personal research and our quest day to day. Those are the questions we, we talk about at dinner. At dinner, we don't talk about marketing. How do we sell more people who come to the conference? We talk about a conversation at the conference. And that's our day-to-day life. And then it became a day-to-day life. That, the, the trauma conversation. And the trauma was when it, we really hit the places of trauma in ourselves. Personal. On the spiritual journey, we, we were for a good two, three years really seriously entangled with our trauma and struggling. So that was our journey. And we were asking questions, searching for help and learning. So that's our... Um, it's been somehow, and it's not that we planned it, that mm-hmm. as we grow spiritually or or as a human being, we tend to share what we learn. And I'm sure many other human beings have gone through the, the same journey, They, but they have kept it more internal. internal yeah. I guess our karma or whatever you want to call it is... Uh, Blessing, yeah. karma, yeah. yeah blessing and a curse. curse. <laughs> <laughs> that we are externalizing that journey and sharing with others. And many other human beings resonate and they see um, it's almost there's something archetypal in that journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a sign of, of great artists is when, you know, like, like Miles Davis, he wasn't like, okay, what's the next album that people are going to like? He made what was inside of him and what he was feeling, and it just so happened to resonate with millions and millions of people for generations. So right. I think it's beautiful. Right. No, we never ask what... What will work, what, what will sell. It's kind of, it has to be really <laughs> close to our no. heart. No. We have to be <laughs> burning in it yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to make sense. Otherwise, there's no energy, and we, we can't do it. Oh, this is a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I know my initial question, and I, I guess it's really hard to to define what this film is because you're in the middle of the film. You've been you've been filming for about a year, uh, and you have more locations to go. So maybe we'll, yeah. Do, do you want to start with yeah. the story of of how this film came up, or the the locations, or what what would be a good way to kind of uh, introduce just the the overview topic of what this film is for listeners? Um, I think after we released The Wisdom of Trauma, we were like, we're going to take a break and rest. <laughs> so we announced it. we're taking a break, we're going to be quiet. Yeah, that's I why I forgot about that. <laughs> what happened to the break? <laughs> yeah, it was like, what happened to the break? We were quiet maybe for two months. We really didn't do uh, much. much. Yeah, but other than some. resting and and contemplating. And then that's how it happens. Like suddenly we found ourselves in this new vortex, in this new energy that I would say maybe Gabor planted the seed for it when he said, this is, this movie is great, but you need to make another movie about indigenous people around the world and intergenerational trauma or the trauma and wisdom that they have. So we're like, initially 
we're like, okay, it sounds great, but we don't even know what it means. So that was the seed planted. And from there, we just started following what was coming towards us. That's what we do, tend to do. We do some planning and then we let go. And then we see what, who comes, who sends a message, who invites us, who doesn't invite us. Uh, so the first invitation we felt was from Gabor saying, I'm going to Palestine, to the West Bank, to do a trauma retreat for women who have been in prison. And we said, can we come along? I said, sure, If try, give it a try. See if they let you in, see if the women allow you, and see what you can capture in, in this pretty intense, um, heartbreaking, I mean, disheartening environment. Yeah. So so that's what we did. We just followed Gabor. We jumped on a plane. We went with the crew. We spent close to three weeks. And you want to tell? Yeah, it was, it was the most shocking, heartbreaking place I've ever been. Place of so much despair, so much pain, so much violence and injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet... There was also their beauty and resilience and community and wisdom in the midst of all of that. And and such a um, sense of kinship in a way in that we would see as we go everywhere and visit other communities. So that was the first journey we did, um, was filming in the in Palestine. And we visited the Bedouin communities that live in the Jordan Valley. And we will be sharing their story in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the first segment we filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, we followed um, our connections in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we went and filmed in Alkali Lake in British Columbia mm-hmm. and... Is the story connected to the residential schools and the impact of residential schools on the uh, indigenous First Nation communities in that part of of so-called Canada? Uh, And from there, the the movie kept taking us to the next place. We went to Arizona, to Dene people, to Navajo, the so-called Navajo Nation. We filmed with them. We went to Hawaii. We went to Australia, New Zealand, Brazil Mm -hmm. so far. And we're heading next to Greenland. So it's been basically a year now Mm -hmm. of traveling, listening to where we invited. Mm -hmm. And again, incredibly deep learning journey. And the, and the movie evolved dramatically because originally it was a movie about intergenerational trauma in indigenous community. Now I would say it's, we can say it's that, but it's not because we realize that basically even the word trauma doesn't mean much. Uh, it's a total construct of our Western approach of life, right? Trauma is individual, and so we imply the individuality. So in an interesting way, the movie is taking us back where we knew we are going to go, which is go, going back to non-duality, but mm. from an entirely different angle. Because when we went to the trauma, people were saying, oh, you abandoned non-duality. Some people in our community completely 
jump out of the community. Oh, you don't talk about non-duality. What is this trauma? And we wanted to tell, we, we, and we told them, I think maybe you should look at it. Maybe that's called spiritual bypassing or <laughs> whatever. And, uh, you know, we lost, no, lost some friends. It's not fair. But we lost some, some community wow. members on that. But now, if it's an interesting way, what we are discovering, where we are discovering any place we go is the interconnectedness of uh, the, the human between the human with other humans and to the non-human mm. so in a way that the word non-duality is not even don't even need to be mentioned mm. it's just it's part of it is that you know that when you listen to to the wind uh, look at the stars uh, see how the water flows uh, you know why this beautiful story that the people inland they see a flower blooming and when they see that flower blooming they can start the walk and they go to the to the to the sea because they can get that specific fish in that mm. specific place and so it's all a dance of of interconnectedness between every creature on this planet human included Mm-hmm. And instead, the idea of the colonialism or the patriarchy and the, let's say the Western approach has been like me, 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 me. And when you start with me, 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 all of a sudden it's me, 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 and there is a you, you, you. Therefore, if I have a chance to protect myself and I have to hurt you, I will. And therefore, and then the psychology of me and the trauma of me and the me of me. And I mean, and it, it gets into the deeper hole and everything is psychologized to extreme levels they can lose the, the foundation that, that has to be changed, the, the foundation which means we, sh- we should get in the awareness of our interconnectedness. We are not separate unit uh, embedded in this skin, because if nothing else, 97% of our skin is made of creatures that are not human anyway, you know, between microbes, viruses, and uh, what's the other one? So, yeah. I don't know where I'm going. I no, that's beautiful. That's, that's really what we have been discovering and redefining trauma. And it's true, the Western idea of individualized trauma does not apply to um, indigenous people and indigenous communities. That doesn't undermine the impact of colonialism on those communities. With The impact is loss of culture, loss of language, loss of... Um, community in places and struggling with addictions and alcoholism and uh, those are real but we can't apply western approaches uh, to healing to those communities because they come from ancient traditions of healings where healing is where where Wounds or illness are not separate from the lineage. They're not separate from what we call environment. If the trees are cut, my lungs are impacted. If my grandparents have experienced something that's in my genealogy and I know about it and I'm aware how that impacts. So healing is seen in many different ways, so much more um individualized and uh, holistic because it's not me, the individual healing, but it's me healing in relationship. And as I heal, community heals, as I heal, 
nature heals and as I, as we heal nature, nature heals us. So that's what we are finding wherever we go, that kind of deep relationality that we have lost in the Western cultures. We are so hyper-individualistic, and I think that's why we are seeing the pandemic epidemic of uh, depression, of anxiety, of suicide uh, that is currently in the U.S. we're facing. Pharmaceuticals cannot keep up with making um, psychiatric medication. There's so much demand that they, they cannot produce enough medication. I mean, that says it all, how disconnected we are from the natural ways of, of being and, and healing. Yeah, something has to change. Something has to change. And, and, and it, it, I hate to say this because it sounds like so, but, but this way of seeing modernity, capitalism, this way we see the world, has to change. It's not, I don't know, how can we continue pretending that we are not poisoning ourselves while we poison the water? Mm-hmm. I'll be saying, well, but no, we are not poisoning water, just a little mercury that goes in the Amazon. It doesn't come to me, it has nothing to do with it. No, it comes to you. We already found, uh, you know, it, it is not localized because the water, the air, it goes into a cloud that it comes into the rain that comes on you. I mean, Everything we do to the environment, we do it to ourselves. And I'm not saying save the planet because it's cute. We are saying in an egotistical way, we need to save the planet because if I save the planet, I save my butt. I mean, because I am the planet. I am in it. I'm made of the same substance of it. You know, it's super egotistical if you want to take it that way, whatever is the most individualistic thought you can have, the more egotistical, individualistic. I have to save the planet because I want to be healthy. a lot that was beautiful though because i think it's getting to yeah something that i've kind of intuitively felt what which is sand science and non-duality is holding a space for an expansion and a constant redefining of what is science and what is non-duality like Maurizio, you were talking about the the spiritual side of once you name non-duality once you pigeonhole it as you know it's only i am that you know it's only x y and z it's not non-duality anymore, you know. Yeah. And right. science, you're speaking, Zaya, about the ancient science. You know, the the, exactly. the the science is that the science that got us to where we are today. You know, it wasn't just American scientists in the 20th century. They were they were standing on the shoulders of thousands of generations of of scientists. Yeah. Right. If you see in New Zealand, we saw that uh, the Maori cannot use certain medicine because they have been patented by, by European and American company. There is their plants that they cannot use because, also is a patent. What do you mean you have a patent on a plant? You claim it is scientific and you don't give the credit to the indigenous population who used it for thousands of years. You don't even let them use it anymore. Mm-hmm. So what we call science, it, it's, it's an evolution. 
has been an evolution from ancient science, from natural science, and also knowing a thousand plants in your in your in, the, in the, your surrounding that science and their connection to other plants and their connection to the weather to the water that is an incredible science that is based on system thinking seeing everything as a system western science tends to take one thing isolate it study it define it put it in a place label it put it in a book and then you, we call that science which is the same with Where the individual same the, story right from community to individual from plant to so right yeah, yeah it's the yeah. same process exactly. divide it's, it's losing re- relationality which you know animism is is relationality and that's 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 the way it is you know that's the, like the human you can't just treat one part of the body and expect the other parts of the body to just like to heal you know that's the, the, one of the big flaws of western modern medicine is they treat the body like a car like oh we just put a new transmission right. in and she'll run fine you know exactly and and to an extent like uh, i'm thinking of filming with maori people in new zealand uh like their knowledge is so deep, so advanced that our modernized minds cannot understand. Like the way that they can communicate to the plant and the plant can communicate what's the function of, of the, the, this plant specific has. Or, or they have known about galaxies and stars and uh, the ring of Jupiter way before we've had telescopes. And so, so they had deep ancient scientific knowledge that they still carry. Uh, one of our characters said, you know, when colonialists came, we had to bury that knowledge in a poros. So they say mm. that knowledge safe and it's protected from mm. uh, being consumed or or used by colonialism co- colonialist and and now he's saying and we've heard that in several places we went those portals are opening and we are able to bring that knowledge back to to our communities and eventually to the world so that's uh, an interesting thread that we keep hearing from many different places. Yeah, in different in ways, in different prophecies, in different, uh, yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I imagine when you, well, it sounds like this this whole filming process has been very emergent in that you went to Palestine first and then the next place sort of presented itself. But has connecting so authentically with these um, indigenous ways of being changed your approach to filmmaking. You know, things like to time. Life. It changed your lives, yeah. To life. To life has changed. To life, I mean, way more. We, like, as we walk, as we sit, when we communicate, it's not just the human communication. I feel I have included... Uh, more of my senses when I communicate, uh, the wind, the butterfly coming, the, mm. the, the creek uh, whispering and changing the rhythm, like all of this new awareness is becoming part of the way yeah. we navigate life and moment to moment, like, oh, we, we have a conversation and then suddenly we have a huge gust of gust wind of coming. Wind. It's like, oh, mm. that is included in the conversation. Mm. 
Yeah, it, it can. It's difficult to describe it because it can sound so. Oh, you live in California, right? Right. <laughs> but it's a is a much deeper. I don't know. We always felt guided, right? We always felt guided in since the day we met, but we were not necessarily aware of the guidance. And now the guidance we are receiving, it gets more and more present. I mean, the, in the movie, there are stories that they make absolutely no sense that are happening. We are in Sydney, right? We have been looking to this guy on YouTube, Uncle Max, and we want to see Uncle Max. We're going to Uncle Max, this old Aboriginal guy. He's only Uncle Max. No way to find him. We arrive in Sydney. We go to, the, to a major center of indigenous culture. We had Uncle Max. Oh, Uncle Max doesn't answer the phone. He doesn't do email. He he got crazy. Crazy, not the right word. He he, he doesn't communicate with anybody. There's no way you meet Uncle Max. Okay, forget. Okay, forget Uncle Max. We leave the place. We drive around. And we said, oh my God, this is nice. Oh, there's a parking spot. Let's go around this place. We park the car. We open the van. This old man walked by. And he looks inside the van. He said, I like cameras. I said, wait. Are you Uncle Max? Yes, I'm Uncle Max. And we spend the day with him. And this thing is happening everywhere. Well, okay, you know, okay, chances. Then I should buy lottery ticket if this is the way, if, if my intention is to make something, to make money. Because I'm saying it's insane. The amount of coincidence is not, is above the law of probability. Yeah. Right way, way above the law probability. And so the movie has been guided and it is constantly guided. And with that, we, we come with this awareness, we are relaxing in the flow of the movie in a way, in the flow of the That's making. That's the new part of filmmaking, I That's would say. That's a new part of it and a new part of living. Yeah. We are more relaxing it in a way, as I said, we can have a conversation with you or with somebody on, on a Zoom call or, or in person and all of a sudden, you feel the wind coming and you are aware that that's something was said. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't mean, okay, when the wind come, it means yes, if you come from the right side, if it means no. But mm-hmm. you feel a constant presence. You feel you are part of something, which is the whole idea that we are not separate individual. We are embedded in, this, in, in our environment. And our environment is, is relating to us. Obviously, plants don't walk around and talk to you in the way we do, but they talk to you in other ways. And again, I don't want to get too weird. And also, I'm not that uh, knowledgeable in this, right? I'm, I'm like a little child that is like is starting the ABC, and I feel this this world of spirit, yeah. and I find yeah. it super fascinating. And um, yeah. And that will be the the challenge, uh, challenge or the the invitation. Also, when we start editing the film, I would like to carry that spirit. Uh, editing can seem like a very linear process, and a movie, you know, traditionally a movie has a beginning, middle, and an end. Act one, act, act two, two, act three. So we will be also looking in the editing process to break out of this linearity and introduce mm. again the cyclical time that the cyclical way of perception that indigenous peoples have 
they have and they see the world through cycles. So there will be an interesting creative challenge when we start editing. Yeah. How do we let that spirit emerge, that way of being and relating emerge? Um, yeah, so so it's been a journey of a lot of listening, learning how to listen. Yeah. Like that's one thing I had no idea that we didn't know how to listen. And many indigenous communities taught us, like when there is an elder speaking, everybody is quiet and listening. There's nobody even attempting to, to it's, it's like deep listening. Something, again, we have lost in this frantic culture. We tend to talk on top of one another. It's about me saying what I need to say. So that's been an amazing learning for me as well, how to listen, yeah. how to listen yeah. to another and how to listen to um, nature. Yeah. I would say one of the different from, because when we, when we met, we were already listening in a way with a non-duality, but we were, we were, we always made the decision as sand. Most of the decisions were made because they were, they were opening towards, let's say if somebody we want to invite somebody and they don't answer. Blah, blah, blah. We let go and we, mm -hmm. and we let it go. We've always been with the awareness of uh, you cannot push too hard against, you cannot you know, push too hard against what wants to happen. But now the difference that I, I feel I have more ammunition, more knowledge received to me because I feel this thing that tells me, that gives me information about what should happen, it's way closer to my skin than it was before. Mm. So now the thing that make me feel what should happen or not is really a little wind, a cloud in the sky, the woman all of a sudden the sun disappears for 20 seconds while I'm talking. Or a little bird, boom, that come and sit in front of me and stare at me. <laughs> Did you hear it's the mosquito land on the microphone a few minutes ago? No, <laughs> I could hear it in my headphones. A mosquito came in. She went. Zzz, zzz. I don't know what she wanted to say, but she had something. She wanted to respond to you, Maurizio. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, you know, no, it's really way more rich, and that brings us to the other angle of yeah, of the, the desire to reconnect to this to to the indigenous culture of my land. That's a different story. Another thing, again, yeah. on the new, my own journey on the Nundua path was all about deconstructing identity, right? It was neti neti. Mm. I am not Beautiful. this, I am not that. So for many years, I lived in that space of like stripping any identity out. Um, and there is something new happening here. And it's kind of... It's a new identity that is richer and it's not personal per se identity, but what it does to me is like, I feel I am part of a, a link in infinite time that I, I belong to a lineage, but by lineage, I don't mean my grandparents and yes, they as well, but uh, ancestors are all the beings that I coexist, I exist because of them and they exist in relationship to, to this formation here. 
for me, I wanted to disconnect from ancestors because I thought ancestors are my grandparents or my great grandparents, which mm-hmm. there was a lot of pain that I didn't want to connect to. I wanted to be separate. So with this film and this journey, I have learned that, yes, their pain is part of who I am. And I carry their pain and I can either release it um, and perhaps because I can feel that now that pain is not stuck, but it can be transformed. And also ancestors doesn't mean human ancestors. Like we are here because our ancestors are the rocks, the microbial, the, the, yeah. the, the, the water, all of this is part of the ancestry. That's something, of course, we have learned as well through um, interacting with indigenous communities. In Brazil, where we were, their ancestors are the wild boars, that they carry the knowledge, they carry the spirit of their people, Munduruku. So um, I think that way... I am also growing and learning and expanding the idea of identity and lineage and ancestors. Um, And often when when we travel and when we meet people, the first thing we hear is like, oh, yeah, our ancestors already met. That's why we are meeting now <laughs> yeah, here. Always say that. It, it's incredible. When I, every time I hear that, it's like, yeah, of course. We think we are doing this. No. There is a guidance behind us that allows for this meeting to happen. Yeah. And I just want to share a short story. When we were filming in Australia, we went to a very sacred site. Again, we were Oof. guided there. Nobody told us. We were like, okay, on the map, found a place. And it's an Asian cave of uh, Aboriginal art, 60,000 years old um, art of Aboriginal hands, uh, Blackfellow cave on the, on the walls of the, the cave. We walk there and you feel in your body, the energy is like so strong, such a silence. It's like we're completely taken. I almost feel like like having a camera there is not appropriate. Like Mm -hmm. it just feels like too intrusive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while we are there, Caroline was actually rolling the camera and then me and Maritia looking towards the forest and listening, deep silence, suddenly a big gust of wind coming towards us directly, like a channel of wind, nothing else moves, just that one channel towards us. And we're like, wow, this is interesting. And then suddenly we hear, (laughs) and a huge tree falls just in front of us. And we felt like, okay, yeah, (laughs) this is the ancestors. You know, I can't explain it rationally, yeah. but we knew we felt that deep presence yeah. there. That they showed that they are here, and there was nothing. There was no threat. It was not threatening in any way, shape. We also shared with our <laughs> Aboriginal friend that we met after. I said, this is happening. I said, "Oh no!" I said, "There is nothing to be afraid." But it was just, it was, it was their way, a way to, saying, to to say we are we here. We know you are here. We know you are here, and we are here too.
Well, you, you talk about listening, and I know many indigenous people, they always ask for consent to listen to the land before they, they you know, go in with their mm -hmm. microphones and cameras. You have to say, is it okay if I come in and listen today? And if you get a no that day, you just get in the car and go home, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In New Zealand, we were filming with a man that was healing the Kauri trees. Oh, wow. And he was in his territory, the territory of his tribe, and he wanted to show us a tree that is next door territory, the other um, uh, clan. Time, another. Mm -hmm. And he tried to call them on the phone to, to ask for permission to show us the tree. They didn't pick up the phone. So he said, sorry, I can't take you there. I don't mm -hmm. have the permission. To, to go to that land. And that's another story, which is insane. The cowrie the and the whale story, it's insane. I mean, basically there is a crisis, this big cowrie tree, there are the sequoia, the, the redwood tree of, um, of that specific area, huge old trees, they're dying in an area. They're dying, they get a bacteria, they're dying, they cannot figure it out, they spray with everything, Western science come in and they try everything, nothing works. And this guy says, well, what we need actually is... Um, some sort of a part of a whale because the cowrie, there is a, a story, a legend, a myth, whatever you want to call it, a, a knowledge that the cowrie tree is brother with a whale. And they were together on the land. Then the whale decided to go in the sea for a long story. The whale could not come back to the land, but they are brothers. And now that the cowrie plant is sick, the whale wants to help him. And now two weeks later, a whale is it goes at the beach in the territory of this guy whoop, on the on the on the on the beach to die. Hmm. And the guy says, "Okay." So they start the very complex process. They they process the meat, the, the certain part of the whale, the, the fat the, on the brain. There is a certain liquid, the, the the bone. They prepare a certain very ritualistic, very complex ritual, and they go to the tree and they. And offer this, this apply, the apply the medicine to the tree. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, the tree boom, revamp and comes back to life. All of a sudden, all the scientists of the New Zealand government say, whoa, 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 this is impossible. Yeah. What are you doing? This is and then and then they, they but they see it. So they start to make studies on the whale. They say, oh yeah, we figured yeah. it out that the certain part of the whale right. is an antibacteria. But you know, how do you think about getting a whale oil to save a tree 300 miles from the land? How do you come up with that? And this is knowledge we don't have anymore. Right. And then you can twist it as much as you want as antibacterial properties. But those antibacteria clearly, you know, we didn't know it before and we don't, we don't know how to use it. God knows how many other knowledge we are losing that way. Yeah. You know, the jasmine and the turtle, I have no idea, you yeah. know? Yeah, we have such it's, a narrow lens of what we consider knowledge, you know? It's it's so narrow. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost insane. Proven, by Stanford, you can make a study. Yeah. I, I saw an article today in the Smithsonian, and it said something like, silence can be heard, science says. And it was like, yeah, people have known that for thousands of years. And it's like, you know, they're like, finally, we can tell you, you can listen to silence. You can be in silence because science wow. said it's okay. You know, it's just. Wow. Now it's official. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other one that Gabriel was mentioned, study proved that grandmothers are good for children. Yeah, grandparents are <laughs> really grandparents good, are good for, for children. children. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Genius. Like Multi-million dollar study, I guess. Or when people say, you know, studies say prayer works, it's like, 
of course it works. People have been doing it since you know ancient times. <laughs> it were even you know you can rationalize why it works or how it works. It's a placebo effect, but it it works. You know if you surrender and devote yourself to something greater than than yourself and say, can you help me? Things happen. You know exactly. And that said, even the placebo effect often is way stronger than the, you know, to have a medication for the FDA approved. I don't remember, but it has to be about 30% of, 30 of the time it works. And placebo usually works 50. So uh, don't quote me on the numbers, but mm -hmm. it's something like that. Yeah. Placebo is way stronger than Western medicine in many cases to begin with. In this, um, this topic of consent and it, you know, being welcomed by the land and the people, I wanted to ask too about something we see in sort of more narrative uh, fiction movies is this this white savior uh, story. So, are, are you sensitive to that as as European Americans coming into these um, indigenous people of color settings of not being you know just extracting these stories for for a white audience? Yes. Yeah, it's a very it's a very big, very big, big topic. topic. And we navigate every time we ask for permission, we're inviting re reciprocity. We're saying, this is what we're hoping. Let us know what you need from us. Uh, so the relationship has reciprocity. Okay. And it can be the land, it can be the people. Um, we practice as we go. Uh, for example, in Brazil, we, the community wanted uh, cameras and wanted also to be trained how to use cameras. Mm -hmm. So that was part of our filming there. For a week, we had a producer who went in and trained the community how to use cameras, how to write scripts. That's just one example. Yeah. Um, we filmed in Mato Grosso, the Sur, again in Brazil community. Their dream is to have their own indigenous museum. Mm. It's like, why all the museums are in the cities and are run by white people where we know our culture? We, we want the museum here on our land. Mm -hmm. So we offered support with that. But it's very tricky slope tricky. because we also come with our white savior complex, right? We see that they need food, they need clothing, and we immediately like, oh yeah, here, mm -hmm. we're going to do that. And the, I would say, if you want to share a struggle yeah, we had just recently, not struggle, a big learning, a big lesson. Uh, we, we were filming in Navajo Nation in Dene with Dene people and we met this family of four boys, four brothers that have no parents. They lost their parents and um, we decided to help. So we started supporting the boys and we invited them actually to come and visit us for a week and spend. We just wanted to give them a present. Mm -hmm of them being out of the reservation because that was their desire, was to get out. Mm. Yeah, they have no electricity, no, no electricity. running water. They live in the middle of the desert. It's 109 degrees, no AC. So mm. we just wanted to give a little gift by bringing them to our home. And they left. They left morning. yesterday, yes. <laughs> there so the bus going back home now. Reflecting <laughs> is... Oof, it's complex. 
they had a good time, we had a good time, we connected, and yet we realized that we had an agenda. We wanted to change their life. We mm. wanted to, to show them a different path, and they were not necessarily interested. Mm-hmm. And, and in fairness, our different path is the path of, of their culture, often. We, 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 we want to say, your ancestors are, are here. Because honestly, the day when we decided to bring them here, I had a dream and I saw their ancestor dancing with drums. I had a dream when I said, mm. we're going to bring them. And I saw in the dream, vividly, uh, people dancing with drums, right? And I said, okay, their ancestors want us, to, want us want them to bring here. And to them, we talk about ancestors and stuff. Right? And, but what they want to do is to have 24-7 internet and, and play video games. Right. So it's like, ah. That's where the white savior complex is. Like, yeah, oh, I know, we what's, know what's, what's good, good for you. For you. <laughs> and you should be proud of your ancestors. You're proud and, of your... and for them, yes, my ancestors struggled with alcoholism, with addiction, because they were, the culture has been disrupted for four or five generations, for them, the culture is addiction, violence, disconnect. So they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that culture. Mm. Uh, so it's so, it's so, so complex. It's yeah. so complex. It's so and complex. we have to keep humbling, putting our heads down and just saying, we don't know. Mm. And when they left... We were left with that feeling a little bit like, ah, oh, what, what happened here? Like, and, and I, Lisa came to visit us and she's like, hey, this is not a Hollywood movie with a happy ending. This is, you're trying to have the Hollywood movie where everything, you know. linear and at the end everybody goes home and they're happy. They're it was a happy good movie. Oh and my they God. suddenly <laughs> change the course of their life. This, this yeah, is right. the savior complex. Right. And life is not like this. You no. Know? So... We keep learning, making mistakes, learning, and staying in relationships, staying in connection with the people we visit. Uh, that's what we practice now. Mm. Well, I guess, too, with this, this sort of white savior complex and, and how the stories and, and the faces and, and the, the land that you'll be sharing in the film is celebrated will be through the community. So it'll be through the sand community that watches it and probably the millions again of people that are uh, that watch the film and how they can connect and support these people. And, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, you never make a work of art with a, you know, a, an end goal in mind, but do you have some, um, some things that would make you happy that, that would change as a result of this film? Yeah, I see. I, I, I think I understand what you, what, what you, I want to tell you a couple of things that probably are answers to your question. One, first of all, that we, whenever we film some, some community, we make sure we tell them that after the movie is released, this mm-hmm. footage, this material will be yours to be used. Right. Second of all, at the release of the movie, each episode, because the idea we create a main documentary and let's say 12 segments, one for each location that we have been visiting, uh, each of this movie will be connected to a call for action. Mm. To, to uh, is not just a movie that you turn around after you watch, you turn around, honey, that was a cute movie. Mm-hmm. No, we want to make sure people are touched mm-hmm. and they have a way to, to make a difference to themselves uh, and to other people's lives. So the movie will, will have call for action all over. 
That's what I mean. And this call for action are not our decision to be mm -hmm. made. This call for action are the call for action that are requested by the community that right. we, we are visiting. Yeah. So we, the community will say, you know what? We need uh, three school. new wells we or a, a new school. school. We need uh, this, we need that. And there will be no question asked, oh, but the school should be more. No, mm -hmm. that's what you need. That's what you want. That's what we will give you. We'll give you. That's what we will try. And a school to. that we design, not you white people come with, with your English <laughs> language and your scientific knowledge, but is our school where mm. we teach our language, we teach our songs and our knowledge. That's where we hear that request everywhere we go. People are dreaming yeah. of that. And mm. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. um, rich journey. <laughs> yes. So. And uh, yeah, so you're about a year into it and you mentioned the places that you've gone already. Um, do you want to share places that you're intending to go in this in this next leg of, of filming or keep that secret? Yeah. No, no, there's, there's no, no secret. secret. There's no we, secret. <laughs> we felt really invited in Greenland. Oh very my God, invited I'm so and very touched. So that's our next big location to film. Mm -hmm. And then we're listening. Uh, we would love to film one one place in Africa and one place in Asia. Um, it seems like there is an invitation from the Maasai community in Tanzania and Kenya. Mm -hmm. So that might be uh, another location for the mm -hmm. fall. And there's still a possibility of Ghana, Cameroon... That's another possibility. It's still, again, we are waiting for a clear invitation from spirit. Yeah. yeah. But the, the idea, ideally, we will be finishing the filming by the end of the year, yes. early next year. That's yeah. the, that's the. And we already have four editors working. Wow. Well, putting together the, the different rough cut of the different episodes. And the dream is to be able to release the main movie beginning summer next year 2024 mm. that's the dream and then let's see where we will be where the world will be and again it's yeah uh, god knows what's going to happen from between now and then thank you zion Maurizio, for creating this ever-expanding container of science and non-duality that myself and the other members of sand get to play in the sandbox the infinite sandbox of sand um so thank you guys thank you for everything you you do the generosity and keeping true to your intentions and i, I could hear that so much just being in conversation with you that there's really beautiful really resonant intentions behind this work that you're in the midst of and i know it's going to be received with the same level of care and trust and respect that you're putting into filming it. So thank you for being on the podcast as guests. <laughs> thank you, thank Michael. you, Michael. It's such a pleasure to speak with you and also for us to take a moment to reflect. That's actually yes. a gift. So yes. thank you for giving us that yeah. gift to be continued. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of SAND content, available exclusively to SAND members. And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. 
and share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings. Be well.